Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health features industry guests and panelists to explore topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Ryan Hummel, Dynamic's Provider Sector Advisor. The oft-times confusing world of the payment of prescription drugs has really created innovation in many ways. Uh, on this podcast, we don't always speak directly about pharmacy operations, but the industry has gone through some revolutionary change in this digital uh, e-commerce-centric world. And this was happening even before the pandemic. Business models and big box pharmacies have been forced to move forward and have evolved along with online and digital pharmacy firms and has driven intense competition in the marketplace. Most say the purchase of PillPack, a monster online pharmacy, which started more than 10 years ago by Amazon recently, was one of the sentinel events that made most in the healthcare industry open their eyes. Since then, several other online pharmacies have emerged to create ways for consumers, patients, and providers to open the curtain to lower prices for medications. This is all happening for, we think, a confluence of reasons. One of these big reasons is the out-of-pocket effect that has affected millions of, Ameri of Americans. The CDC has reported that over 40% of Americans under 65 are on a high deductible health plan. And that means consumers and patients must spend their own money and cover outstanding costs of drugs, medicine, and procedures before support kicks in. On top of that, there are over 30 million Americans that don't have any insurance at all and therefore must pay out-of-pocket for prices of medications. Mix that in the reality that is value-based care, a complex payment structure, and you have a very active environment where price sensitivity emerges. So we're really grateful and thankful to have the Vice President of Clinical Technology at Blink Health, Albie Sabatore, here to talk a little bit more about this emerging trend. Hey, Albie, how you doing? Tell me a little bit more about Blink Health and what you do and why you've committed yourself to this team. Doing great, Ryan. Thanks. Yeah. So. So Blink Health is the, uh, it's the leading online prescription savings platform in the market today. Uh, our mission is to basically make prescription medications, uh, to your point, affordable and accessible for everyone. We've been around since about 2016, um, and a lot of people are familiar with sort of prescription savings cards and, and things of that nature. And what we've done is we've kind of taken it um, a step further, and uh, instead of having to you know, sort of do the traditional, you know, cut a coupon or try to figure out which pharmacy the coupon belongs to. Um, we work directly with over 35,000 pharmacies across the country and we negotiate pricing on behalf of our over one and a half million patients that have visited our platform. And uh, we allow them to, if they have a, a valid prescription, to go online, uh, they can search for their medication, compare some pricing, and select to either pick it up at one of those 35,000 pharmacies or they can choose to have it delivered right to their front door. Um, so it's a very much different uh, experience for the patients than what they're used to with their traditional sort of savings card slash coupon world. Uh, it's very easy. You can do it from your home. You can do it on your smartphone, uh, tablet, whatever sort of device you have. Um, became very uh, relevant during uh, this unfortunate pandemic that we had. Um, but I would say, you know, I've been here about three years, and, and the main reason that uh, I came over here to work with Blink uh, was really the mission, you know, making prescription medications affordable and accessible uh, to all patients. Uh, to, to your point, you know, there's so many patients that, uh, you know, they may have insurance, they may not have insurance, 
um, but they may have high deductibles. They might be in the middle of the donut hole, uh, or they may have high copays. And oftentimes they don't realize that until they show up at the pharmacy, uh, and then they abandon, you know, those medications and they start the uh, non-adherence and ultimately end up with an event. Uh, I personally went through that uh, in my life with my father. So when I heard about Blink Health and I was introduced to them, I thought, what a better way to sort of disrupt somewhat of a of a very high touch industry. I mean, if you think about healthcare today, um, you don't go to your doctor every day, you don't go to the lab every day, you don't go to the MRI every day, but you take your medications every day if you're chronic patients, and you go to the pharmacy at least once a month, if not maybe two or three times. So the interaction between you know the pharmacy and the patient is the highest touch interaction in healthcare. And so I feel like that's the place where, where we can make some change. So that's, that's why I decided to come on over to Blink Health. That's great, Albie. Thank you. So appreciate the history and the mission of Blink Health and your personal story. Uh, and I just wondered, could you give us a little bit more detail on how Blink Health works and how you talked a little bit about the ease, ease of use with tablets, et cetera. Um, you know, on top of that, does your solution plug into EHRs? Um, how does it kind of work with the cloud pharmacy? Sure, sure. So the way that the way that Blink Health works is, uh, you know, instead of us kind of working through the typical sort of pricing rigmarole with the uh, with the PBMs and sort of the insurance networks, uh, we go directly to the uh, pharmacies and we take a look at their pricing and and what their expected you know, uh, revenue is, is on, on medications. And instead of sort of putting in those middlemen markup, um, we just, we utilize that price point. Uh, so for us, uh, we carve out a lot of that overhead cost that patients are paying for because the PBM may need to get a little bit of money, the insurance company needs to get a little money, et cetera. And so because of that, we've been able to uh, lower our medications where I think over 70% of our medications are under $10. Uh, we really focus on generics, like roughly 15,000. We do have a handful of uh, manufacturers that we work with as well. I can talk about that uh, a little bit later. Um, but we've laser focused on that top sort of 200 to 500 generic medications with uh, some really strong partners like Walmart, uh, Harris Teeter, uh, publics across the country. Um, and then we've added in uh, the ability for us in our cloud pharmacies. So we have two cloud pharmacies that are non-dispensing. Uh, so we have the ability to work with different types of delivery partners to get those medications to those patients, you know, sometimes same day, sometimes next day, uh, and sometimes traditional mail. So for the patients, the way that it, that it works is uh, they either uh, find us you know, somehow with one of their providers. So sometimes we have collateral that's inside uh, physicians' offices, et cetera. Um, sometimes we have uh, integrations to EMRs, to your point, where uh, we have the ability to show that pricing transparency to the providers in real time. So when a patient's uh, sitting in front of a provider and a provider is, uh, you know, has, has a patient that has hyperlipidemia and, you know, the, the top medications start to come up, the statins, uh, the, the provider can see, you know, maybe there is a, a statin that they want to select that's, you know, 10 or $15, but maybe there's a couple other that actually could work as well that are like $3. And so they can have that productive conversation uh, with the patient to make sure, number one, that they're going to get on therapy. Uh, and number two, they're actually going to pick it up and they can afford that out-of-pocket cost. 
So for us, it's, it's again, it's making sure that you have that initial transparency before you get to the uh, actual pharmacy. So it's basically like taking the, you know, the whole need that we all have for things like Amazon, Orbitz and Priceline, what have you, and putting that sort of in the pharmacy so that when the pharmacy sends the script uh, on your smartphone, you can get a message that shows you your pricing options and you can compare and contrast and you can choose to pick up or have it delivered. So it's really just giving like a white glove 21st century patient experience that really should have been there, uh, but it has really lacked over the past, you know, 10 to 20 years. That's fascinating. Thanks, Albie. And speaking of kind of 21st century and speaking of kind of chronic illnesses and how they proliferate across not just the United States, but the globe, um, can you tell us a little bit about how the evolution of value-based care plays into your model or, or the online digital pharmacy model, model in general from your perspective? Yeah. So, I, you know, there's a lot of patients that are chronic and have multiple medications. And, and we know this, you know, on our platform, we, we, we analyze a lot of behavioral data as well as we understand the insurance that, you know, profile of our patients. And we know we have a large number of Medicare patients. And you know, if you're picking up five or six medications a month, sometimes 10, uh, more than likely you're going to have one or two pretty high copays and you're going to convert that to cash. And as you know, uh, when you're picking up via cash, uh, that data is not accessible back to your primary care doctor, to the insurance companies, et cetera, who are kind of putting together these value-based care models. So with the digital pharmacy uh, and having us as sort of the cloud hub in the sky, um, when all of the prescriptions kind of funnel through us, we can shuffle them to whichever pharmacy the patient wants to pick them up at. They can use insurance or they can use cash. But then when we partner with a large health system or provider group, we now not only have the ability for them to see transparency into the insurance claims, but now they get the entire picture. They see the cash claims as well. So that's a really important piece where, you know, certain patients might look like they're falling off, you know, uh, a regimen. Uh, but really what may have happened is they ended up paying cash a couple times for certain prescriptions uh, and they never really did fall off. Um, so that's, that's where I see us being able to really leverage our platform. And then with that behavioral data that I spoke of, we also know what these patients react to. Some react very well to, you know, cash uh, pricing that's really low. Some react well to tutorials and videos on how to take their medication or what their medication is for. Uh, and some of them react better to sort of just little pings, like, hey, time for your medication. So we take a lot of that behavioral data and combine it with the prescription data that we have. We have the ability to really help make sure that when a patient is on a regimen, uh, that they stay on. And if there's a certain reason why they might drop off, we have the ability to communicate with them to ensure that that doesn't happen. That's fascinating. Thank you for taking us through that journey. I think you know, we talk a lot about value-based care here on the podcast and, you know, things like managing the whole person, transparency, you know, <clears throat> lowering the right costs, and then getting some of that behavioral data are all really important connections to, you know, outcome-based uh, healthcare. So it's fascinating how Blink Health is playing a role in that space. So um, let me shift gears just a little bit and talk a little bit about challenges, right? Every Every industry has challenges. And because this is relatively new to the world, can you share a little bit from your perspective what challenges this industry faces and, you know, 
how you are able to compete or what some headwinds you are facing in the competition space that is dominated by big box pharmacies, as we mentioned before? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the challenges, as, as everyone knows, uh, I don't probably even have to say the, the company, but certain, you know, large big boxes, they own uh, PBMs, some of the largest PBMs in, in the country. And so one of the big challenges that we've realized in working with our large health systems and provider groups is there's a lot of closed networks. There's a lot of prescriptions that are, that are sent um, that actually are required based on your insurance package to be filled at one of those large big box stores or, you know, they're not going to be reimbursed. So that's, that is a challenge, I think, for a lot of patients where they see things like Blink's ability to provide, you know, a lower cost medication, but the patient actually has to pick up that medication at that particular pharmacy and the providers that are in the value-based care network are sort of at, I guess you could say in handcuffs because if they don't send that patient in today's world to that particular pharmacy, then again, they're going to kind of lop out of that value-based care plan and they're going to see a gap in care and there may be some issues with reimbursement for that provider group in the future. So that's been really the main challenge that we've seen uh, in the market with the big box stores is that they are sort of ahead of the game as it relates to being in network and part of these large value-based care networks. But one of the things that we're starting to see uh, is that patients and providers uh, are willing to uh, sort of not fight with, but I say go to bat with some of these payers and these large PBMs to show things like cash data because of a patient's, you know, profile. I mean, medications are, you know, if they're, if they're not financially, you know, relevant, then they're not clinically relevant for a patient. You can prescribe a patient who needs a statin that's really expensive all day long, but if they don't take it, then it's not clinically relevant because it wasn't financially relevant. But if you prescribe one that's lower cost, then not only is it financially relevant, but it's also clinically relevant. So I think, you know, that, that main challenge is starting to take a big turn. And we've noticed that uh, quite a bit over the past three months during this pandemic that, you know, as patients are at home and, you know, there's issues with transportation and what have you, our ability to not only provide, you know, the low cost, but get them their patients, uh, get their medications the same day or the next day has, has really helped our cause uh, and really helped us to combat that challenge. And also, brought some providers to kind of open their eyes a little bit more and say, listen, uh, maybe it is, you know, something that uh, we may take a ding for, but we're willing to do that because overall it's the care of the patient that's important. Thanks. Yeah. I, you know, it's almost funny. You answered my next question, I think, in, in that last response around why you think kind of this online pharmacy idea is catching on both for consumers, patients, and providers. You talked a little bit about one, kind of the, the forcing the hand with the latest pandemic and how logistical challenges kind of force people to think differently. Um, and, and when they think differently, they see that there are other options and they learn more about some of what those options mean to them. And if they are more cost effective and they're more efficient and they still work, I think, you know, that kind of answers the question of why it's catching on. So do you see that trend continuing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing, if you think about, you know, 
on average, you know, 10% of prescriptions need, you know, a prior authorization today. And that really takes a lot of time, not only, you know, on the pharmacy, but on the provider. Uh, and if there's transfers of the medication that needs to happen because they want to switch the medications or they can get a cheaper one somewhere else or they don't have to deal with a prior off somewhere else or what have you, uh, all that work takes time uh, and creates a really poor experience, not only for the patient, but for the provider and for the pharmacy. So by utilizing, you know, an online platform like Blink Health, where all of that is transparent and automated, uh, you take away a lot of the friction that's in uh, both the pharmacy, that's in the provider, and then 100% from the patient. And so, you know, as I mentioned before, that's our main goal is that patient experience. So uh, I, I absolutely see us becoming, and, you know, other companies like us, becoming much more relevant uh, going forward, uh, especially, you know, I hate to keep saying it, but I think this pandemic has opened up uh, the eyes to folks in healthcare to say, listen, technology was lacking here. And if we insert some in the right places that actually work really well, we can all be more efficient. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, when you talk about other stakeholders, you, you mentioned before we got into this, that you talked to us a little bit more about some of these folks. What, what are some of these other stakeholders, such as health plans and manufacturers? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, you know, we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of health systems that, you know, are, are also their own payers, right? They insure their own uh, employees. And, and a lot of times they're negotiating, you know, a formulary of medications for that population. And it's a smaller population, right? I mean, even if it's a very large health system and they have 5,000 plus employees, that's still not uh, a lot of patients as it's, as it's relative to negotiating pricing for medications. So a lot of those health plans are starting to say, listen, we, uh, we want to move our patients to a cash formulary because you have the ability to do that much cheaper. So we've seen that trend starting to go. So that's, that's one thing we start to see with the health plans, and that's been somewhat recent. Uh, and then for the manufacturers, you know, they're all looking for a much more innovative way, an easier way for their patients to get a hold of the manufacturing coupons and discounts. And so the way that we work with manufacturers are, you know, if you have a set of doctors that are prescribing your medication, when you have a provider that gets educated from a manufacturer and they're a partner of Blink Health, anytime that manufacturer's provider sends a certain script to the Blink Pharmacy Cloud, uh, we immediately scour and apply the manufacturer discounts in real time for that patient so that creates an experience that oftentimes leads to, on average, about $131 in savings for the patient, makes it much easier for the manufacturer to onboard the patient to the medication, and again, takes away a lot of that busy work that might go in between the pharmacy, the patient, and the provider. So those are two little examples of a, of a health plan and manufacturer and, uh, you know, and, and kind of how we're working with them today. That's, that's great. Thanks for sharing. Um, you know, if... If I could take another kind of pivot on the way that we're asking and questions more a little bit in a macro sense. Um, what opportunities, Albie, do you see to improve patient experience and outcomes? So we talked a little bit about some leading indicators. And I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious to me that giving patients options and then educating them is going to improve that. But do you have any more to say about that? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that 
that I think we we believe is very important is is the behavioral level level data that I spoke about earlier. Uh, I think that's really sweet sauce and really the the thing that's going to uh, you know kind of I guess skyrocket adherence and outcomes because you know behavioral and clinical data can if it can be used intelligently. And again, can deliver not just savings to the patient, but education, clinical messaging. You know, all of that stuff can can really help increase adherence. And you know, who today doesn't have that? You know, the phone uh, in their pocket. Uh, it's pretty much everyone, right? Like everybody has a smartphone. And our technology is is not uh, dependent on any sort of platform or operating system. So I think as we kind of collect more of that behavioral data. And we partner more with these, you know, large health systems and organizations where they have some really great clinical data. And we put those two things together. You can really start to paint like a strong, you know, outcome profile for patients. And you can start to track that. You can put together what are the things clinically that, that are working and what are the things behaviorally that are working? What are the things that are missing behaviorally that are maybe making the clinical piece go wrong? So, Maybe it is that people don't have the ability to get to their visits or people don't have uh, enough money to, to buy a bus card or what have you. So I think pairing all of that behavioral data with the clinical data can really drive up, you know, patient adherence as well as outcomes. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I mean, the pharmacy transaction is the, is the busiest transaction in healthcare. It happens on a daily basis for most of these chronic patients. So if there's a way to insert yourself in there seamlessly and make it uh, transparent to the patient, the provider, and the pharmacy, that's really a win for everyone. You know, it's kind of a, a fascinating aha to me. If you think about it, you know, it's obvious the idea that the pharmacy transaction and the frequency by which it happens, you know, is so much more than the other interactions we talk a lot about. But when you, when you just spell it out, it's pretty remarkable that when we speak of patient experience, and outcomes, we many times kind of forget that. And so it's really, really important, I think, and, and, and special that we have you on here to talk a little bit about that and how that pharmacy transaction and filling prescriptions and medications the right way really can impact the greater healthcare experience for patients. So thank you for that. So before I leave you, Albie, I want to ask you one more question. Uh, you know, we don't have a crystal ball in front of us, especially in the last six months. Golly, we would uh, have all gotten it wrong, but what's one thing you want healthcare industry leaders to know about this industry? And do you have any predictions for the future? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the number one thing that, that everyone should know is again, back to that, that point of, Hey, listen, this, this transaction is the busiest transaction in healthcare. And it's also probably the only transaction uh, at the health system level that doesn't get a lot of resource put against it. So if you think about like a health system, typically, you know, they have lab, they have imaging and, you know, their capture rates, meaning that they actually get their own patients to utilize those services are typically, you know, higher than 30 or 40%. But when you look at the pharmacies in these big health systems, they're usually capturing about five to 7% of their prescriptions. Why is that? Well, for a lab or an imaging, you know, the order gets sent if there's a prior authorization or there's some insurance work that needs to be done, they do it because it's a, it's an expensive study. They get some great reimbursement for it. So they have, they have basically some stake in the game to do that. 
I think people are now starting, and my prediction is realize that, again, this is the busiest transaction. And most of the events that happen, you know, those happen because not, not because a patient didn't get their blood work or because a patient didn't get an image. Most of the time, it's because a patient didn't take their medication. And why was that? What was the reasoning behind it? So again, back to that behavioral data. So by providing, you know, that transparency, I think, to all players, they're going to start to realize that the digital pharmacy, similar to what Blink is doing, is not a competitor to their pharmacies or a competitor to any pharmacies, but it's a complement with some services. And if you think about it, the best way I think to think about it is if you're a patient that's unfortunate and has, you know, cancer or, you know, rheumatoid arthritis or something where you're working with a specialty pharmacy, you actually get a lot of those types of services where, you know, you can find out if you have insurance issues, you can figure out if there's a coupon or if there's some assistance, you can get it mailed to your house and packaged and delivered. So why, why shouldn't that same experience happen in the retail setting for all medications? Why should it just be specialty? So it goes back to like our core mission where, you know, certain patients shouldn't, you know, have the Cadillac experience and be able to pay the least amount of money. And then certain periods have, uh, certain patients have the, the worst experience and pay the most amount of money for the same medications. It should be a level playing field and we should all be able to see it transparently. So my prediction is that, you know, once I think uh, a lot of these health systems uh, start to realize that it's, a, it's more of a partnership and not a competitive landscape, then I think we'll really start to make some change, uh, especially as it relates to clinical outcomes. But overall, just as it relates to patient experience, bring the pharmacy transaction to the 21st century. And that's what we're focusing on. Excellent. The idea of equity in the healthcare space is, you know, an aspiration I think everyone would agree upon. So appreciate you and your team's efforts to do so. So thanks for joining us, Albi, on this episode of Trending Health. Uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on to sharing your brilliant insight on this topic. Have a great day. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in this episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Binamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.